From Washington, D.C., this is On the Ground. Hundreds of protesters rally in front of the White House to say, let Cuba live, and to demand that the illegal U.S. embargo and sanctions on Cuba be lifted. You know what? It's illegal, it's immoral to use hunger and disease as a weapon of foreign policy. There will be a total of six million syringes that the people of the United States are sending to our brothers and sisters in Cuba. But that's just the beginning. And while supporting the campaign of Cuban Americans to end the blockade, these protesters were also the target of far-right demonstrators who tried but failed in their attempt to stop the Cuba solidarity which is shared by almost every country on the planet. Folks, the Monroe Doctrine should go the way of the Robert E. Lee statues and be permanently removed. It's time. All that and much more coming up. Welcome to On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Averam. And for this hour, we hear voices from those rallying at the White House on Sunday, July 25th, to let Cuba live and to support the Bridges of Love Puentes de Amor project by Seattle teacher Carlos Lazo, a Cuban-American who walked 1,300 miles to D.C. from Miami with friends to deliver petitions signed by 27,000 people across the country to lift the economic blockade on Cuba. Our coverage begins with Carlos Lazo welcoming the crowd. the people who walk with us for 1,300 miles. Yadira, Sandra, Miguel, Roberto, Quique. Le damos, We are so happy to be here. We thought that we would be here alone, but now we have hundreds of people just here supporting us, supporting the lifting of the blockade. Welcome here. Thank you for receiving us. And let the show start. Arriba! We have 27,000 signatures here from Cuban Americans, from America, from Cubans, asking for the lifting of the embargo, the blockade. Tenemos 27,000 firmas pidiendo al presidente Biden que levante las sanciones que pesan sobre la familia cubana. Aquí está.
Hola mi gente de amor y de paz, unidos para que los bloqueos se levanten, para que se levante ya. Hello people of peace and love, united, because we want to see the end to the criminal and inhumane blockade. My name is Nancy Cabrero. I am from Casa de las Americas, New York City. Thank you all for your solidarity. I feel your energy. And I want to remind you all to keep the energy on love, to keep it contained in peace, and to not allow yourselves to be distracted. It is my pleasure now to invite to the podium Adeyemi Bandele. He is the education director in the Baltimore 1199 here in the Maryland area and soon to be state of Washington, D.C. Let me begin with a statement from our leadership. Recent events in Haiti and Cuba have shocked and saddened us. They remind us the critical importance of democracy around the world and in our hemisphere. We support people's rights to demonstrate and organize for justice and social change. We, the 450,000 healthcare workers of 1199 SEIU, many of whom are of Haitian and Cuban descent, are rightly concerned about the welfare and safety of their loved ones and families in both Haiti and Cuba. We stand with them and the people of these nations in support of their right to self-determination, regardless of our political views. I am here today to also lend our voice to the call of 184 nations at the United Nations who have called for an end to the U.S. blockade against Cuba. Now, this ought not to be a surprise to you, but there are only two nations in the United Nations who voted no. Guess who? Israel, the United States. 184 nations in this world have said, end the blockade. Repeated U.S. administrations have carried forward this repressive policy, which harms the Cuban people in so many ways. The blockade has only made the COVID pandemic even more difficult for the Cuban people. The blockade has prevented access to medicines, supplies, and food. Why deny food and other essential supplies and then blame the country for the shortage? We know this cruel action. We know, we've seen this before. The Monroe Doctrine, which has guided U.S. policy for too many years, was designed to ensure that no nation 
in the hemisphere would have the right of self-determination. Folks, the Monroe Doctrine should go the way of the Robert E. Lee statues and be permanently removed. It's time. If the Biden administration is truly concerned about the Cuban people, then there is one thing that can be done to alleviate the suffering, and that is lift the embargo now. Thank you. Who was he? 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 was born in Cuba. He has been practicing law for 37 years here in Washington, D.C. He represented Elian Gonzalez and his father, Juan Miguel. He also represented the government of Venezuela in its efforts to extradite the terrorist Luis Posada Carriles, as well as counseled on the case of the Cuban Five. Mr. Pertierra also represented Jennifer Harbury against the government of Guatemala in her efforts to seek the whereabouts of her husband, Efraín Maca Velázquez. He was also counsel to Sister Diana Ortiz, the Ursuline nun who was brutally tortured and raped by members of the Guatemalan military. Please put your hands together for this very prominent lawyer, Jose Pertierra, please come to the stage. Thank you guys for coming and risking uh, your life and limb in the middle of all this. It's a pleasure to be here. I want to thank also Code Pink and the ACERE and all the other organizations who put this wonderful act together. It's needed more than ever. You know, the White House would have us believe that the Cuban Revolution is toast, that the end is near, and that soon Cuba will have a government that resembles Miami. Well, let me tell you something. They've been saying that bull since January 1, 1959. It hasn't happened yet, and it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, there are problems in Cuba. There are food and medicine shortages, constant blackouts in the midst of hot summer months. People can't get electricity to you know, turn on their electric fans. They're trying to avoid being contaminated by the coronavirus that is sweeping the globe. And Cuba has had no choice but to close the borders to tourism. As a consequence, there's scarcity of funds with which to buy food and medicine. But most Cubans know, Cubans on the island know, and some Cubans here know, that the Trump administration weaponized COVID 
to take advantage of COVID and they tightened the screws on the blockade by imposing 243 sanctions on the island in the middle of a pandemic. In the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of, of this crisis, Cuba has nonetheless come up with two, count them, two vaccines against COVID. Soberana and Abdallah. No other country in Latin America has even come close to that. And right now, Cuba is vaccinating all 12 million Cubans on the island. There's a big lie going on. President Biden propagated the big lie by saying that Cuba is a failed state. You know why? To placate those guys over there, those Miami Cubans, who believe the big lie that he's not the legitimate president of the United States. Now go figure that. You know what? It's illegal, it's immoral to use hunger and disease as a weapon of foreign policy. President Biden, you claim to be different and more humane than the Trump regime. Yet you have maintained all 243 sanctions that Trump imposed on Cuba in order to tighten the blockade. President Biden, regarding Cuba and Latin America, you see more Trump light than the vice president you once were. You can't turn over U.S. foreign policy to Miami politicians. You, sir, are the president of the United States, not Marco Rubio, not Maria Elvira Salazar, not some senator from New Jersey who's got scandals and skeletons in his closet. I hope you're not listening to the mayor of Miami who wants military intervention in Cuba that would bomb our families back home. I hope you're not listening to these guys who were yelling for military intervention a little while ago. The revolution isn't going to fold if you drop a few bombs in Cuba. The U.S. blockade and its many sanctions won't have the desired effect of a popular uprising against the government as you think and hope. You know what it's going to do? It's going to unite the people of Cuba against a country that's trying to strangle its people. President Biden, if you truly stand with the people of Cuba, as you have said, then take your knee off our necks. Let Cuba breathe. Let Cuba live. And if you don't, I remind you of the words of our great poet Bonifacio Verne, who said, May 5th, 1899. to the stage, Sean Blackmon. He is an organizer for the Answer Coalition.
enough for me. Cuba see, but they don't know. 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 The people of Cuba have been suffering in a dead heat because of the criminal, unilateral, illegal blockade that they've been attacked with by the U.S. government. And that is why we're here. Because the blockade deprives the Cuban people and Cuban family of food, of medicine, of basic resources and we're here today to say no more let Cuba live let Cuba This government has no right to call any government repressive. Here in Washington, D.C., we face repression right here in this park. This is my first time even being in this park in over a year. This park was a site of deep political repression by the D.C. police by different governmental agencies. We were tear gassed. We were shot with flashbang grenades. We were shot with rubber bullets. I was here on June 1st, 2020, when Donald Trump had that street cleared so that he could take a picture. So they, the United States can't tell anybody about repression this country was born in repression. It was born in genocide. It was born in slavery. That's right. And we have to think about this logically. Has this blockade been in place for 62 years because the U.S. government cares about democracy? Let Cuba live! 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 It doesn't care about human rights. If it cared about human rights, 
then George Floyd would have never been killed by racist police terror. Right, that's right. That's right. Breonna Taylor would have never been killed by racist police terror. That's right. If this country cared about peace, it wouldn't have over 800 military bases all over the earth. That's right. And for the people of the United States in this crowd, when we look at how the United States attacks Cuba, assaults its sovereignty, and when we look at the never-ending campaign of war that it's doing all over this earth, who's paying for that? We are. And so we need to be clear. You and I have a special responsibility and a duty as we're here in the beating heart of world imperialism that we will fight this government, we will fight imperialism abroad just like we fight white supremacy at home. And it's something else I want to say. If you support the blockade, if you support sanctions, then you support hunger, you support sickness, you support suffering, you support death. If you support the blockade, you do not support the Cuban people. It's just That's right. That That's right. That's right. That's right. And so, as I come to a close, I just want to say that while the breath yet fills our lungs, while the blood runs warm in our veins, we shall resist U.S. imperialism. We will fight this government to end the U.S. blockade on Cuba. Thank you for listening. I'm Sean Blackman from Answer Coalition. Peace will be feeling the front part and let your metal be resistance. Thank you. That was Sean Blackman, an organizer representing the Answer Coalition at the Let Cuba Live Bridges of Love rally held July 25th, 2021 in front of the White House. The rally was held next to a mob of counter-demonstrators, which you may have heard in the background, before Blackman attorney Jose Pertiera, Adeyemi Bandelli of 1199 SCIU, and Nancy Cabrero of Casa de las Americas in New York City. I'm Esther Averam, and this is On the Ground. Stay with us. Vamos a juntar las manos para poder ser un latinoamericano. Cuba. Each container has 800,000 syringes. So the first two containers, 1.6 million syringes, arrived last week. There will be a total of 6 million syringes that the people of the United States are sending to our brothers and sisters in Cuba. But that's just the beginning. Now we're going to work on sending medicines. We have a donation box here. And I know some of you still carry cash. I know it's a little old fashioned, but some of you carry cash. If you got any cash with you, put it in the bucket. And where is Richard who told me he drove from Kentucky? There he is. He just gave me 
Well, thank you. And of course, a lot of you don't have cash on you. You can go to the Code Pink website, Code Pink Syringes, and make your donation there. We want to send hundreds of thousands of more in medicines to Cuba, right? So in the meantime, what is that guy in the White House sending to Cuba? Hate, our money, our tax dollars, 28 million of them going to create propaganda and another 20 million for radio and TV Marti, full of propaganda. That's what our country is sending. Hey, come on up, Kate. And what are we doing? Why is Biden not listening to our voices? That's a question we have to ask. Do you think the right-wing folks here that want to see more sanctions on Cuba are ever... Did they vote for Biden? No! Will they ever vote for Biden? Will the Cuban-Americans who want to keep the sanctions ever vote for Biden? No! So I have tremendous respect for the Cuban-Americans. These Cuban-Americans who marched from Miami to Washington, D.C. are our heroes. They are the voices that we want Biden to listen to. But instead, who is he inviting into the White House? The right-wing extremists who didn't vote for him and will never vote for him. We've been trying for weeks now to get Carlos Lasso and Puentes de Amor meetings in the White House. One of them said, okay, and then she never answered again. Somebody must have told her, that's not the voice we want to hear. Now, Carlos Lasso not only brought 28,000 signatures with him, when he opens up his Facebook page and goes live stream, it's tens of thousands of Cuban Americans who are listening and supporting him and the Puentes de Amor. When we went live on your live stream and asked for contributions for syringes, they poured in from Cuban Americans. So the people that Biden is listening to don't represent the majority of Cuban Americans or the majority of Americans and certainly not the majority of people in the world. You know what happened recently at the UN, right? 184 countries saying, end this damn blockade, and two countries, the US and Israel, voting in favor of it. Shame, 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 shame. And we're saying shame on Biden. Because, uh, you know, let's raise your hand if you voted for the guy. <laughs> a lot of him, you look, yeah. Okay, so a lot of us voted for the guy. Of course, we wanted to get Trump out, right? We voted for the guy, and he promised during his campaign that he was going to lift the blockade, right? He gets into the White House, 
And what does he do? He doesn't go back to the legacy of Obama, which is also the legacy of Biden, because he was in the White House for eight years. Instead, he's continuing the legacy of Donald Trump. And right now, when Cubans are suffering because of the pandemic, because of the closure of tourism, because of the pandemic, because of the blockade, what is he doing? He's adding more sanctions! It doesn't make any sense. I love the Cuban-American community. They can have as diverse opinions as they want, but you know what? They represent less than 1% of the population in this country. And in Florida, if this is all about votes in Florida, they only represent 7% of the population in Florida. So why aren't the Democrats going after the other 93%? Let the 7% vote for Trump if they want to. But they are the minority. The Democrats have to start listening to the people who put them in the White House. And we say, not only to the Republicans, but to the Democrats who are falling over themselves to come out as much as they can to say, I love the protesters in Cuba, I hate the Cuban government. Why don't they come out and say they love the protesters in Colombia, or the protesters in Honduras, or the protesters in Haiti, or the protesters who get their heads chopped off in Saudi Arabia if they protest, or the or the protesters in, in Palestine who get shot with live ammunition like they did two days ago to a 17-year-old when they go out to protest peacefully. Why aren't they coming out and saying, I love those protesters? You know why? Because they are hypocrites, tremendous hypocrites. And we are there here to set them on the straight and narrow. So I want to say how thankful we at Code Pink are for Puentes de Amor, Bridges of Love. How today when we started to walk with you all, we went to the Martin Luther King statue. And they all talked about what Martin Luther King meant to them. And it meant dreams and it meant hope. And their dreams and their hope are to be able to send money to their loved ones in Cuba. Their dreams are to be able to travel to Cuba. Their dreams are to have ties of love and friendship and cooperation with the Cuban brothers and sisters. Those are our dreams and hopes as well. And we've got to make our message of love, cooperation, diplomacy, get in there into the White House. So this is just one part of a much larger campaign we are doing. Let's keep it going, keep it building, and build those bridges of love. Thank you. Please welcome Omari Musa. Brothers and sisters, I'm an activist in the DC Metro Coalition in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. 
And that's why we're here. Some people say that it's necessary for Biden to lift the challenges and the, and the sanctions against Cuba. Some people call for the United States to invade Cuba. They tried that before. It didn't work. The Cubans will organize themselves to fight every step of the way against the blockade. Now the question is, we here have the opportunity to build a broad movement to oppose the blockade. That's what we're here for. We're not here to argue with each other. We're here to demand the U.S. end the blockade. And all over the country and other countries, we must organize caravans, protests, demonstrations, whatever we can do to educate the people in those countries to end the blockade. 194 said no, but we have to put bodies on the line to fight for and into the blockade. The blockade will not be ended because the White House says so. They've said six months. The process of embargoing Cuba has been in effect for 60 years. They've had one consistent policy. That policy is to overthrow the Cuban revolution. Doesn't matter if they're Democrats, Republicans, or whatever. They all have the same policy. So what our organization does is try to unite with everybody who is against the blockade. We don't care what else you're against. Let's end the blockade and organize meetings around the country to end the blockade. This is a good start. Let's keep up the pressure. Let's win more people over to end in the blockade. It doesn't matter how people vote. It doesn't matter. What matters is people in the streets, in activities to demand an end to the blockade. That's why we're all assembled here, and that's why we support this action. People say, pay attention, don't pay attention to them. Pay attention. But let's move forward. We're not looking backward. We're looking forward. The world is on our side. The world is on our side. Let's maximize our efforts to get people out in support of Cuba. I'm a supporter of the Cuban Revolution. You don't have to be a supporter of the Cuban Revolution. I hope all of you are supporters of the Cuban Revolution. Let's win everybody in support of the Cuban Revolution. But in the process, let's make sure that the United States blockade against Cuba is ended and ended now. It's not too late. It should be ended now. In the blockade now. In the blockade now. In the blockade now. In the blockade now. No war against Cuba. No war against Cuba. No war against Cuba. Viva la Cuba. Long live the Cuban Revolution. Long live the fighters in Cuba. Let us fight to defend their interests. Thank you. Venceremos! Thank you, Mr. Musa. Let Cuba live! 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 I wish you could see how beautiful you all look from where I'm standing. I wish you could see how beautiful you all look from where I'm standing.
We have a Texan in the house. Her name is Robin Harris. She's also a social justice activist, a writer, a poet, and a public speaker. She also organizes and assists in many community events. Civil disobedience is also accredited to her. She is a co-chair of the Florida and a co-chair of the National Black Caucus Green Party. Robin also ran for county commissioner of District 6 in Orlando, Florida, where she resides now. She continues to speak up for racial justice and against all types of discrimination and intersectional issues. Today, Robin Harris stands united with Cuba. Please welcome Robin Harris. Let Cuba live! Let Cuba live! Let Cuba live! Let Cuba live! I came all the way from Florida for three minutes to let you know and to let them know that this is a revolution. I came all the way from Florida because I understand what it's like to be an oppression because African people and Cuban people have been the experiment of U.S. imperialism for over 600 years. And so we came out to say, no mas, no more. We understand what it's like to be victimized, to be victimized by imperialism. In the pandemic, they took our money. They took our jobs and they took our food. And every disenfranchised person still worked through a pandemic. So I stand here with Cuba and say, no more. Let us live. It is because of colonial capitalism that millions of people died because of US genocide. I don't care who the president is, we have been the victim for far too long. So I walk with Cubans. I stand with you because since 1492, we know what oppression looks like. So we come together today to say, let Cuba live. Let Cuba live. Let Cuba live. Let Cuba live. Today, right now, the revolution is being televised. And I'm so glad that I can share this moment with you. And let it not be forgotten that because of Carlos is the reason why we're walking here. It's not because of Democrats. It's not because of Republicans. It's because of poor people like you and I who have the gumption to get up off of our butts and do something. So let's say, let Cuba live. Let Cuba live. Let Cuba Thank you. Let Cuba live. That was activist Robin Harris and before her, Omari Musa. And before him, Medea Benjamin speaking July 25th, 2021 in front of the White House. I'm Esther Averam, and this is On the Ground. Stay with us. This song is very, is, is very important for everyone who left their countries to live a better life. So it represents the, the struggle of so many people trying to build a new culture in a new country. So we express our solidarity with the Cuban people with this Chilean song, I am from Chile. So 
I want to give you as a gift this beautiful song a again. It's a pleasure to sing it in front of the, in front of the White House for this cause. Cambia todo cambia. And everybody can sing, todos pueden cantar el coro, ¿no? Cambia lo superficial, cambia también lo profundo, cambia el modo de pensar, cambia todo en este mundo, cambia el clima con los años, cambia el pastor su rebaño, y así como todo cambia, que yo cambie no es extraño. Vamos todos, cambia todo, cambia, beautiful. Otra vez Cambia, todo cambia So I'm out here at the Let Cuba Live rally here in Lafayette Park and I have the honor to actually speak to Carlos Lazo who spearheaded this walk from Miami How many miles was that? 1,300 miles Yes, for our listeners who may not have heard your speech and may not have understand all the translations, what do you want the Pacifica Radio listeners to know about why you did this and why you came out today? Well, we want for the sanctions against the Cuban people to be lifted. For 60 years, the United States has blockaded Cuba, and that those sanctions mostly affect the Cuban people. It's not about government, it's the Cuban people. Trump tightened those restrictions and now we cannot even send money to our families. Biden promised that he will lift those sanctions and he did have done nothing. Instead of fulfilling his uh, electoral promise, he basically has been pandering the most conservative sector of the Cuban community, the people who vote against him, and basically we want the embargo to be lifted. That's what we want and that's what we are doing and that's what we are going to achieve. Yeah, and you, uh, the 27,000 signatures, are these from Americans of all walks of life? Yes, but especially from Cuban Americans. When we started the, the, the signing petition, was before the election, hoping that he will win and asking him to reopen the uh, embassy to allow us to send money to our families. And he said that during the electoral contest but he have done nothing yeah why do, why do you think that he's allowed the miami cubans to keep to continue to have this voice and he wouldn't even have an audience with you and your walkers because he's seen that that he's going to pay electoral dividends in 2022 but i think that he's making the wrong calculation if he doesn't do anything about this he's going to pay a price and the democrats are going to pay a huge price for betraying what they said that they will do What's next on your agenda in the Let Cuba Live campaign? Keep fighting, keep fighting. We have been fighting for many years, and we are going to keep fighting for this until the end of the blockade, and we are going to end it. Thank you. Okay. Sandra Soca Lozano. Okay. So we came to ask President Biden to lift the sanctions that are rushing the Cuban people, because these sanctions were designed to put pressure on the Cuban people, so they took charge of whatever they think the government is doing, but we want, they are affecting the Cuban people, Cuban people, they don't have food, they don't have medicine, that's because of the blockade. So we want the well-being of the Cuban people, we want that Americans are able to freely travel to Cuba so they see for themselves. 
stuff. And we also want to be able to exchange scientifically, you know, scientists from Cuba, from the United States. We want to send money to our families and we want to be able to open the, the, the family reunification program. Part of the reason we come out here today is because, like, our mission at Howard University is serving the underserved, right? And specifically, like, black people in Cuba. You know, a lot of people don't know this in the United States because of the representation that we have, but Cuba is a black country. Cuba is a country that, much like black people in this country have been oppressed, has been oppressed by white supremacists since the 1800s, since the U.S. invasion of Cuba, and even up till to the present day with the embargo. So we came out here today both to like show support, but also because it's our duty as medical professionals to care for those who are not being properly cared for, not being properly treated. And the embargo specifically is causing shortages for medication. I heard one person in this protest today was just telling me they're not able to send remittances back to their people back home sometimes. They're not even able to get like name brand aspirin type stuff, even though Cuba's a country that produced its own vaccine underneath this embargo. So, I mean, I hope that explains. That's a few of the reasons we are here. Okay, so I actually visited Cuba and I met Americans. And actually, in this case, it was two black Americans. Well, one was from Yemen and one was from somewhere here in the States. And they were actually able to go study medicine in Cuba because, you know, they didn't have the opportunity here. So, I don't know, if you have you had that kind of solidarity with other medical students? Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. Like, one of the things, actually, part of the reason we're here is because all of us have been interested in the Cuban medical system. It's one of the best systems in the world, essentially. And it's an example that, like, I really believe this country should take. I mean, in Cuba, for example, the literacy rate, medical literacy rate is much higher than in this country. People are aware of their diseases. People get house calls. During the pandemic, they made sure to use medical students to go to almost every single house in the country to ensure people's vaccination status, to ensure people's medical status, to ensure people were getting tested for COVID. That's something you did not see in the United States. You did not see contact tracing for a long time. In many states, never. You never got contact tracing at all. You never saw a shutdown at all. There was a beautiful, like, you can really research this online, but, like, there was a beautiful documentary that went into it. I'm not saying everything's perfect, but I'm saying, like, they're an example that this country should take into account, specifically for medical students, I believe, because this country did not utilize its medical students effectively during this pandemic, and it's been a big shame and a big loss. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for talking to me. Okay. Well, I am against any embargoes or sanctions on nations. Um, the United States of America has no business using our money or our power to try to inflict harm or violate the sovereignty of other nations. And, I, you know, I've seen a number of signs here asking for intervention in Cuba. I assure Not at this rally, you mean at the other. I'm sorry, I've seen enough in this park, not inside our circle here. But yes, I, I can't understand anyone who has seen video of a United States intervention in any country would want it in a place that they love. Um, our, we are only as strong or as wealthy as our neighbors are, and we should not be leading the way in any efforts into any sovereign country. We should be there to support, to help with infrastructure, and to help support the people of that country, but we should not be putting sanctions, embargoes, blockades, or having any sort of military interventions into sovereign countries.
So tell me about the politics in Florida because I, I heard one person mention here, I think it was Medea Benjamin, that the Cuban American population there is only 7%, yet they, on the larger national stage, they seem to have this outsized influence over not only our policy in Cuba, but also our policy in toward Latin America in general. Well, Cuban Americans make up 7% of the population of Florida, but 50% of our United States senators. Um, and, you know, he is a media darling. He is essentially the Cuban American in this country with the largest platform. So, you know, unfortunately, Marco Rubio gets to set, he normalizes. What he says normalizes what most Americans think is the perspective of Cuban Americans. In Florida, we have a very wide um, diaspora of Cuban Americans and philosophies. And first-generation Cubans are very, very different in their feelings and politics from second- and third-generation Cubans. And there's a large, large percentage of second- and third-generation Cubans that want to see the embargo lifted and support progressive policies and progressive candidates. It's good and it's important that we're here today. Here today as a continued witness. As a continued witness that there has been an act of criminality that has gone on for a long time. And that's called the embargo, the blockade against Cuba. And we stand up that says, let Cuba live by ending the embargo. End it, end it, end it. You can't equivocate it any other way. How can you deny the ability for somebody, a country, to participate in the world's marketplace and threaten every single country if they do business with Cuba and then you expect Cuba to somehow thrive and survive under that in the blockade? It's immoral, it's criminal, and it's illegal! I stand here as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go ahead. Go ahead. Why? Because the gospel is a gospel of justice and of truth telling and of stripping away the lies and deceit that have been cultivated over all of these decades. And to remind us that what is done in the dark will be seen in the light. And the fact is the embargo is something that has been carried out in the darkness and we see it in the light for what it is. It is an act against humanity. It's an act against the people. As we come here in this spirit, in this moment, I give thanks for the feet and the people that march from Miami to be here. To remind us that there is clear conscience, that there are voices of justice and voices of reason. Because we cannot forget this, and I mentioned this to my church this morning. Why in the hell do you think Haiti and Cuba happened in the same week? Talk about that. That was because somebody has orchestrated that that is not really Cuban and is not really Haitian and it basically began to realign the Caribbean. And sisters and brothers, we need to be aware of that truth and stand up for justice because justice will prevail. So I give thanks. I give thanks to the spirit that lifts us up and holds us together and allows us to be truth tellers, allows us to be prophets, 
Allow us to speak the truth. We will never back down from truth telling. We will never go away. We will stand as long as required so that the world can see the illegality and the immorality of the blockade. And we say, let Cuba live by ending the blockade. And now, and now, and now. And the Reverend Graylin Hagler, Senior Minister of Plymouth Congregational United Church of Christ here in Washington, D.C., will have the last word on today's show. He was speaking in front of the White House July 25th. I also interviewed Carlos Lazo, the Seattle teacher who spearheaded the Bridges of Love campaign. Also, another walker on that trip with him, Sandra Soka Lozano. And Josh Weil, a candidate for U.S. Senate, challenging Mark Rubio in Florida, and a medical resident at Howard University. And speaking of Howard University, we will post on our website uh, a web exclusive from Chantel James about Howard University Hospital battling vaccine hesitancy among African Americans. This is On the Ground, onthegroundshow.org, Voices of Resistance from the nation's capital. You can always check out all of our current, our current and past shows on the website we maintain, onthegroundshow.org. And you can reach out to us and support us there as well. You can also like the show at On the Ground Show on Facebook and Twitter. And thank you to all of our supporters on patreon.com at On the Ground Show for your encouragement. Our podcast, On the Ground with Esther Averam, is also on all your podcast platforms. The new podcast, social media pages, and website all have a protest sign with green lettering that says, On the Ground. The music we played this hour was by Patricio Zamorano, performing live at the Bridges of Love Let Cuba Live rally, July 25th, in front of the White House. And our theme music is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm your producer and host, Esther Averam. Until next time, take good care and keep raising your voice. Peace. Esther Ivarum, producer and host of On the Ground, thanking you for listening and for being a part of our audience. And I'm asking you to please partner with us in keeping alive this independent grassroots news program from Washington, D.C. Your fully tax-deductible donation of as little as $3 a month will help us keep lifting up voices of activism and resistance to corporate power and corporate media. So please go to our page at patreon.com forward slash on the ground show that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com 
forward slash on the ground show where we post the shows and bonus material. Or you can see all the ways to support, including end of the year giving and PayPal on our website, which you know is onthegroundshow.org. Thank you.